We come in some ways to the end of uh, the glorification of Jesus Christ, the end of his um, kind of saving mission. There's a way in which his mission never ends. He continues to pray for us. He's going to pour out the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. But the ascension is in some way this, this glorification of Jesus at the end of his, his mission. So let's, let's just recall what, it, what is his mission. First off, we call him Jesus, but he wasn't always called Jesus. Jesus was a name that he received at one point in time. Before that, he was what? He was the Son of God. He is now true God and true man, but there was a time when he was just God. So the Son of God was sent on a mission, and that mission is what? It's to save us. So essential is his, his saving love for you, the fact that he was sent to save you, and that it was written into his name. The name Jesus means what? God saves. So he comes uh, in person to draw close to us and to save us. So God, who is always God in eternal bliss and light and peace and joy in heaven, the Son of God, descends and becomes one of us. We celebrate that in two basic feasts. The first feast is the Annunciation, when the Word of God becomes man in the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Right? In that moment, he becomes a human being. And we see the fulfillment of that in, in his birth at Christmas. So he becomes one of us. He wasn't always one of us. He was just God. But he becomes one of us. He attaches himself to us to come and save us. So his descent is his coming from heaven, from the glorious bliss and eternal glory of heaven, to enter into just plain old everyday humanness. He comes to be with us. But he doesn't just come to be with us. He comes to be with us in all the depths and poverty and suffering of what it means to be human. His descent doesn't finish at Christmas. In some ways, it just begins. And he enters in all the pain and struggle and sorrows of humanity. He comes to take upon himself our suffering and our pain. Jesus, in the fullness of his love, gives us his body and blood, and he offers it to us on the cross, right? He suffers, he is tortured, he is killed to enter in and to take to himself all of your suffering and pain. He descends into it and even descends into hell, into the lowest place, into the place of emptiness, the place of God-forsakenness. So from the heights of eternal bliss and glory, he descends all the way down to the lowest possible place, right? But the story doesn't end there, and that's important. Five weeks ago, six weeks ago, we celebrate that he is risen from the dead. Amen? Amen. God goes from the lowest place, the, from, begins in the highest place, goes to the lowest possible place ever, and then he is raised from the dead. He is raised in glory. He is victorious over death, but he's not done. We haven't finished. Because here, on the day of the ascension, he ascends into heaven to the place of glory and honor to be seated at the right hand of the Father, where he reigns as king of the universe. It says that he is placed above every power and principality, above all forces, all, everything else that exists. He is all-powerful now and reigns as king over everything. And he returns in some way. He never left in some way, but he returns in some way to the embrace, to the intimacy, to the closeness, to the, to the house of his father. So the ascension is his great homecoming in glory and beauty. So, from the heights, he goes to the lowest possible place. And today we celebrate that he returns 
to the heights in greater glory than he had before. Okay. As we look upon that, though, and we celebrate Jesus' ascension, and we hear how he was with his apostles, and he disappears from view with them, I think there's this little part of our heart that sees him and is like, oh, gosh, I want to be with him. Like, I want to go with him. And I think, too, our hearts have a fear of being left behind, of being forgotten. And to that kind of cry, to that desire, I think Jesus wants to draw close to each of us in a particular way on this feast day and say, oh, no, 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 I'm not leaving you. No, you're coming with me. Because why did God become man? Why did he take to himself humanity? Why did he take to himself human nature? It's to attach himself to you. At Christmas, in a real way, and this is a mystery to us, Jesus joined himself to you as a human. Not just in a vague way of like he understands what it's like to be a human being. No, no, in a real way, he connected himself to you. He attached himself to you. He took humanity to himself, and in doing so, he takes you to himself. He attaches you to himself. And as he descends into human suffering and human failure and poverty and weakness, what? He takes to himself your suffering and your poverty and your weakness. It's like he's claiming all the parts of you for himself. And when he descends into hell, he's descending into the deep places of our heart, the place where we feel most alone, misunderstood, the place where we feel forsaken. That place itself, the hellishness of the parts of our heart, have been filled with his presence. That's how close he comes to us. That's how deeply he attaches himself to us. So Jesus has attached himself to you. You experience the fullness of that in the sacrament of baptism. In your baptism, you're joined to him. Which means, in a very real way, and this is, sounds crazy, but now, you in some way make up the definition of what Jesus is. You ask the question, what's Jesus? You say, oh, he is the son of God, and everyone that has been attached to him, all the members of his body. So you are now... We are members of the body of Christ, right? We say that. We don't really think about it. We don't know what that means. But now you are members of his body. You're part of, part of who he is. Which means, what happened at the ascension? This is a trippy idea, and it's hard for us to really think through this one. So if it doesn't make any sense, that's okay, because I don't know if it makes sense to me. Jesus was always God. And in some ways, he never left heaven. He became a man, but he never left heaven. And God fills all things. He's in all time and all space at all times. Amen? So the Son of God at all times fills all time and all space, so he's always in heaven. He never left heaven. So at the ascension, what's happening is he is returning to heaven as a man. He's bringing humanity back to heaven, or he's bringing humanity to heaven. It's his humanness that's being brought into heaven, and his humanness includes you. It's his body that's being taken to heaven. And who are the members of his body? You can raise your hand if you want, because it's you. So the ascension is the fact that you are being brought into heaven with the Son of God. You're being returned to your rightful home. You're being brought into the Father's house, into the Father's embrace. So in no way is the ascension about Jesus leaving us behind. No. No, the ascension is about taking you into the heights of heaven. Second reading says, Jesus is seated in power and glory above every power and principalities. 
It refers to these powerful spirits. It refers to the angels. Jesus is seated above every power and principality, which means he holds all authority, all power over heaven and earth. Which also means that's, that, that's where you are. Like you exist in the place of greatest honor and glory with Christ above all forces. That means nothing has power over you except for Jesus Christ. Like we're afraid of suffering, we're afraid of death. Yeah, we're afraid of sickness. But now all those things are held in the power and the authority of God and they cannot destroy you. Death itself cannot destroy you. It has no power over you. No, Christ holds all authority, all power, which means you don't have to be afraid anymore. He's got you and he's completely victorious. St. Paul says, already we have been seated with Christ in heavenly places. It's another strange idea. Even right now, even right now, your soul, who you most deeply are, dwells beside the Father, at the right hand of the Father, in Jesus Christ, in the love and glory of the Holy Spirit. In some ways, you're already home. Like, we, all, we still have this mission to live on earth, yeah? There's still suffering and death that awaits, yes. But in a real way, you already are experiencing the foretastes of heaven. You're already home. There'll be a moment when that gets completely fulfilled in totality in every possible way. But in a real way, we already dwell with Christ in the fullness of heaven. Does that make sense? Nah, kind of yes and no, right? It's a little trippy. But the truth is the victory is yours. The ascension is yours. Jesus didn't leave you behind. He's bringing you home. When Jesus ascends to sit at the right hand of the Father, he says, hey, you're coming with me. Like, you're part of me now. I'm in you and you're in me. Like, this is, this is we're doing this together. He came down to attach himself to you and he's bringing you home. So we don't have to be afraid anymore. There is no power that can come against you that is stronger than the love of God for you. And the love of God created all things, destroyed death itself, and has been raised to the highest glory of heaven. You're safe. You don't have to be afraid. There is no power that can come against you and destroy you. No, you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. So his ascension is your ascension because you are a member of his body and it's his body that is brought into heaven. So we live in this strange time. A time of suffering, a time of trial, a time of conflict, yes, but also a time of victory. And everything that's essential and important, you are victorious. And nothing can harm you because you are seated with Christ at the right hand of the Father. So Jesus has descended into the deepest and already he has raised us up to the glory of heaven, which means that's your destiny. You're already there, but it, uh, it, it awaits to be unfolded. Yeah, so just know, like, how does salvation work? It's letting Jesus attach himself to us and then just staying with him. Just don't leave. He comes down to connect himself to us and he brings us home. Yeah, so what do we need to know? I think we need to know how deeply connected we are to Jesus because when you forget that, life gets scary. You need to know that he makes this promise and he's, he would never break a promise. He can't. 
He is the truth itself, and he says, I am with you always until the end of the age. So he's with you, he's connected with you, and you're safe. The king of the universe, he who is more powerful and glorious, glorious than all things, uh, has won the victory for you. And you're in him, which means you have nothing to be afraid of. You don't have to be afraid. I'd like you to invite Jesus to just look at you as you pray for a second, just to look at you. And see if we can just sense in his heart the hope he has for you. It's a confident hope, like he's not worried. But it's like, oh, he's won something amazing for you. He holds all your glory, your salvation, all the infinite joy of God. He holds everything for you, infinite love. I think his eyes are just beaming with this hope and confidence of what awaits, of what he's waiting to give you. You're safe, you're victorious, you've been raised in glory with him. All of heaven awaits, and he's got it all for you. And, uh, oh gosh, he just desires to give you everything. Victory is assured in Jesus Christ. In him you cannot lose, you cannot fail.